0: Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. In Zimbabwe, I built five churches there and way out in National Geographic Africa. And and the 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 boys and girls would have to walk sometimes for a mile to the river to get water to bring it back, you know. We could just turn on the tap, and it's so easy. And In Jamaica, orphanage that I built up on the Blue Mountains, you know, there was just a one-inch PVC line that got up there, way up. Sharon knows, boy, it was way up a winding road that scared everybody going up. They didn't want to go down in the town for... For R&R because they didn't want to drive down that mountain until they could go, uh, go to the airport and come home. But when that line would break, there would be absolutely no water up there for the children and for everything else. And, and you found out just how far a gallon of water can go when you went down to get something. So water, water is so much a part of our life. I want to read do you know, I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture because it, it, it's part of what I really want to say. I want to share this morning. I think it's a point that the Holy Spirit really wants us, wants us to hear. It's from John chapter 4. I'll begin at verse 4. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired as he was from the journey, and he sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour, actually, it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, "'Will you give me a drink?' His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, "'You are a Jew.'" And I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with from the well and it's deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did all of his sons and his flocks and his herds? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks the water will be thirsty again. We know that. We'll be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become like a spring of water welling up to eternal life the woman said to him sir give me this water so that I can not be thirsty again and and have have to keep coming here to draw this water and he told her go call your husband and come back I have no husband she replied and Jesus said to her you are right when you say you have no husband the fact is you have had five husbands and the woman and the man now you have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And, and, sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the time to worship, they will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And the worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything. And then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. It's an amazing thing to, to hear this, this story. And if you really begin to understand how unusual it was for Jesus to be there at noontime, how unusual it was for him to be talking to this woman. You see, Jacob's well, you know, was a place where women, because it was women who went to draw the water, and they drew the water in the morning and in the late afternoon, and it was a place where they would, you know, like women do when you get together, talk. Friends were, were made, friendships were made, but also the young guys would go around, and a lot of times it's when they would see the women at the well, they would say, that's the one I want, and begin that whole process. And, and, but this woman, as Scripture says, she came at noon. And if we look at that, because her lifestyle... She might as well have been a leper because her lifestyle in that that small village that she lived, the reputation that she had, she came at noon. Obviously, she was by herself, and and we don't know much else about her, but I think that that says a lot about who she is. And I believe she was living almost in the shadows of, of the of the village like today there are so many people in our culture that live in the shadows because of their lifestyle because of things that have happened to them and that maybe many of them wouldn't come into a church because they feel too ashamed or or a lot of things that happen they live in the shadows and Jesus looked at that but he sat there Knowing everything about this woman because he was God and he had a burning passion for the lost. We need to understand that it was it was shameful for a Jewish man to sit there and talk to her. Totally culturally unacceptable. And yet Jesus, I think the example for us to show he has a burning, had a burning passion for the lost. And the water given by Jesus, it really means spiritual life. Spiritual life. To partake, one must drink. We have to be able to drink of that. John 7.37 says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Now, let's think about it. Drinking is a progressive action. You know, it's estimated that a man, a full-grown man, should drink about 15 and a half cups of water a day. It's a progressive thing. A woman, about 11 and a half or 12 cups of water a day. Not all at once, but it's a progressive thing. Drinking the water of life requires regular communion with Jesus. And you can't continue to drink this water if you're separated from the source. And it's so critical for us to remember what Peter said in 2 Peter 2.17, that they will become springs without water. He's talking about, he's really talking about the danger that any of us could experience. That if we don't go to the well, if we don't go to the source of life, if we don't drink that living water on a regular basis, if we don't have continuing Deep-seated relationship with the Lord and with His Word. If we don't have any of that, we could we could run the danger of becoming springs without water. And I don't care if we're brand new Christians or if we've served the Christian, served the Lord for fifty years. You know, I know I've known people that have served the Lord a long time, and then health issues or catastrophes happen. In our life, and then all of a sudden, we can begin to say, why me, God, or or, why did that happen, God? And pull us away from the source. And if we get pulled away from the source, and we, it's just like physically, if we quit drinking water, we will die. Plain and simple. And if we quit drinking at the well of life, we will die spiritually. I don't care how old you are, how long you've walked with the Lord. See, there's a difference between water from a well and water from a cistern. We know that. If water is not fresh, it's amazing how putrid it can become. I think we've all seen that. You know, if you've got a container of maybe rainwater or something— in the in the backyard or in the front yard, and it quits raining, and that water's just there. And over a period of time, we we've, we've got some bird baths in our backyard. I've got a little dish, and I have to change that several times a week because the water just sitting in it, and what it begins to look like. So we need to know that it has to be fresh. And in that cistern, I was in Istanbul, Turkey some time ago. And, and when the Romans ruled that, uh, that area, there was slave labor, it, this huge cistern under, carved out of the stone and the columns. It was beautiful. And that was the water supply for, for Istanbul. Istanbul. And yet, when the source got cut off, when the river got caught off, it became putrid and they had to to come with a way. It was undrinkable. They had to come with, find a way to, to be able to drain that so that when the river started flowing again, it became fresh water. You see, our faith and our testimony can become the same if not continually refreshed. It's so critical for us. It can become sometimes, let's face it, sometimes reading the Bible can become boring. You read this, you've read it, you've read through it a hundred times. And you sit down in the morning and you you read it because that's your habit. And your mind wanders. And you don't walk away with anything. At least the discipline was there to sit down. Well, maybe it's time to, to change it up maybe it's time for a new translation maybe it's time to 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 look at a bible study that you can get in that will make it fresh again Uh, that's something that i've done recently sharon has done recently our daughters have done recently the new living translation and chronological bible i mean instead of how it's organized the chronological bible is this is how it happened in history and these were the books and part of Philippians was written here and another part was written over here and I said boy I, I want one of those after the girls got it and Sharon got it and and I am going through that right now in my devotion time and it's just become fresh to me some of the commentary some of those things because I really felt like in my own life I just needed that I needed something fresh. I've got my devotions every morning, my, all of that. But I needed something just, I needed to look at the word in a, in a different way. And I think that all of us, all of us want to keep living water and coming into ourselves. But then what happens if we keep all of this good news to ourselves? What happens if we don't share it? What happens if we don't take the opportunity at at the store or many places? We have opportunities to reach out and to pray for someone, or at least to say, I'm praying for you, at at least to to really reach out. We have an opportunity to do that because when we do that, that's like living water flowing right out of us. And if we keep all of it to ourselves, if we don't do anything with it, ah, sure, we're saved. But we become like a cistern. We become like, I don't want to say it too harshly, but putrid water. We've kept it all to ourselves, and I don't believe it's a blessing to the Lord if we, if we keep all of his goodness, all of his blessings, all of his message, if we keep it all up to ourselves and not share the good news, to not share like Jesus did with this, this woman at the well. Ezekiel 47.1 says, The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced the east, and the water was coming down from the south side of the temple, south of the altar. And then that's, that's verse 1. But if we look at verse 47.9b, it says, So where the river flows everything will live. Let me say that again. Where the river flows, everything will live. And if we read that whole 47th chapter of Ezekiel, it's so beautiful because it talks about the river coming from under the threshold, and it goes, and the the fish are thriving, and the trees are thriving. thriving, and the the leaves bring healing, and healing to the nations, and all of that. That's what's going to happen in the future, and yet today, we can become a river of life, and whoever we share it with, whenever we pray for someone, we can see the leaves of life touching them, and healing them, and, and encouraging each other, encouraging each other because of the difficulties of life. Let's face it. I don't see a teenager in the crowd. Okay. I see one young, good-looking man. That's not you, Dave. That's your, your grandson with you. And we're struggling with our health. We're struggling with issues we never thought. We're struggling with losing loved ones. We're struggling with with this uh, twilight zone that we've been living in for the last year and a half. We're struggling with all of those things. And we can see fear overcome people. We can see hopelessness overcome people. But we know that Jesus was speaking about the river of life, giving life. And we who believe... And that fellowship with him, we have that deep within us. John 4.13 says, But whosoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. He gives us that, that living water, and it springs up within us. Boy, if you spent much time in the mountains or hunting or some of the places that I've had a good fortune in Montana when I was hunting and you come upon a spot and there's that spring that just, it's just bubbling up. And then the creek that it becomes, it's just an amazing thing to see and to think that we could have that within our bodies. We can have that within our testimony. We can have that within our ministry. Because Jesus says it's possible. I will, them, I give them, will become in them, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Psalm 42, 1-2, I love this one. It's one of my absolute favorites. Has been for years. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God my soul thirsts for god for the living god when can i go and meet with god i can't tell you how many times i've i've prayed that that my soul i would i would i would pant for you i would have a desire for you i've been hunting when in, during drought season and man you can't you can't find a critter anywhere but then you'll find that that, that brook, that, that stream down here, things are green. And you know that life is, is coming there. And in Africa, in Namibia, in South Africa, when I've been there, and you see the wildlife. In, in, uh, Namibia is a desert, and Toshapan's the size of the San Joaquin Valley. And all of the elephants and the lions and the hyenas and the jackals and, and the rhinoceros and everything, they, they, they just roam free. And at night you stay within a compound or they would get you, but it's, they're, they're right by water holes. And you see the animals coming for miles around to drink of that water because water is life. And, and, and you look at that, and I think the way that, that Jesus so explained it, and, and it's so explained in, in Scripture how important it is to us. Psalm 63, 1 says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. He's promised to quench our thirst when we we seek Him. But we have to seek Him. He says in Isaiah 55.1, Come, all you hearth are thirsty. Come to the waters. It takes an action on our part. Maybe we don't have to walk miles for, for a bucket of water. Maybe it's just falling on our face in our bedroom. Maybe it's just talking to the Lord on our couch in the morning when we're doing our devotions. Maybe it's just sitting in the backyard and and just just relishing in God's news, His good word, And, and, and talking to Him and coming to Him in such a way that we are so thirsty that we just want to come to Him and be quenched with Him. The moment we don't want to do that, The moment we reach in our lives that we don't want to do that, we run the risk of becoming cisterns, cisterns, just holding the water and keeping it to ourselves. God is called the fountain of life. For in Psalm 36, 9, it says, for with you is the fountain of life. In saying this, he could forever quench the thirsty. Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah. Amazing to think that the Messiah came for all mankind. The Jews thought, even those disciples thought, that the Messiah had really only come for the Jews. But Jesus, in his passion for the lost, sat down at a well at noontime and asked a woman who had a terrible reputation and there's no telling she might have even been to the point where she couldn't even look Jesus in the eye and he began to tell her about living water and we have the opportunity to do the same thing. Jesus never judged her. That's the amazing thing. John 4.10 says, If you only knew the gift of God, the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. He's speaking to us, too. All we have to do is ask him. Continually, give me that living water that's in my spirit. And And... And like her, how many people just don't know? They they just don't know. They're living in sin, without hope, thirsty, and don't even know it. But given the choice and the opportunity to drink, I believe that many would. But but do we do what Jesus did? I'm, I'm so impressed by this verse of Scripture. He just sat down and talked to her. He didn't judge her. He just talked to her like a human being. And many times, the place for us to be able to share is just like that, just to sit down and talk with someone and share with them about your own experience. And share with them about this God that you serve with all of your heart because he has done so many wonderful things for you and me as we do. You see, there's many, many spiritual functions parallel the physical functions. Our bodies hunger and thirst. We do, right? I get up in the morning and I want my coffee. Generally, Sharon makes a little pound cake or a little... uh, you know, nut bread or something like that, and I'll have a couple slices of that, put butter on it, put it in the microwave for 30 seconds, I'll take the coffee and that, get in my truck, head to the office, you know, I'm hungry in the morning, I want my coffee in the morning, but then long about noon, I have to quit drinking coffee, so I I really want my water, I always have water in the truck, I always have that, have to have that, Last night, Sharon made enchiladas that were out of this world with Spanish fried rice, and I was hungry. And every one of you, I'm sure, ate dinner last night because physically our bodies need that. You see, so our souls are just like our physical bodies. We have to eat the living bread. We have to drink the living water from the stream. But our souls need it, and the woman at the well She was just confused. She didn't know. And I think so much of humanity is confused. And what was the result of this this encounter and this conversation? John 4, 28 through 30 says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come. Come. See a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Something happened. I I just have to believe, you know, sometimes you can see life on a person's face when they encounter Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean life. Light. it's just there's something in in the way they walk. There's something in the way they talk. There's something in the way they share. You know. And and all throughout scripture, we know you could tell that they had been with Jesus. She had been with Jesus. And she goes back into this town and she says this and they could have shunned her there but something had happened and the way in which she was saying it they came out of the town and made their way toward him toward the messiah toward toward the one who who knew her and didn't judge her but loved her john 4, 39 to 42, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days. He just stopped at Jacob's well for a drink. But it was a it was a place in destiny, a time, a time in the, ski, in, the in the scene of all time. From creation, it was destiny for him to sit at that well, for the disciples to go into town, for him to be thirsty and tired, and for this woman to be there. There are points in time when we meet people. There are points in time when we have the opportunity to pray for people. There are points in time when God gives us that, and it's our destiny to do so, and sometimes we don't. And when we don't, there can be consequences. I think of a fellow that I grew up with, Spencer Boyce, southeast of town, out on Monday Road. That's where we lived. He was a year older than me. Good guy. We did a lot when we were teenagers, and then he became a cabinet maker, and saw him infrequently. Well, I ran into one of the Garings. I was uh, looking at a, at a job, and he said, "Well, Spencer." Spencer's in the hospital, and he's got cancer. And and Spencer wasn't raised in a Christian home, and I hadn't seen him in years, and he's got cancer. And I thought, well, I'll go to the hospital tomorrow and talk to him. He died during the night. He died during the night. Went to his funeral. So convicted. That I didn't step out exactly when the Holy Spirit told me to. And I promise the Lord that will never happen again. I will take the opportunity. Someone may reject it, but I'm going to share the truth and the living water because that is what you want us to do. And we see what happened in that village. You know, it's so amazing. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Wow. A Samaritan. Samaritans were half-breeds. You know, they were shunned. We got a lot of people in our culture that are shunned. And I believe that Christ would sit down with each one of them and share the message. But see, Jesus went back, and he's standing at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. But what did he say? I've got to go so I can send the Holy Spirit to give you power to be witnesses in Lodi and Stockton. San Joaquin Valley, and all the continents in the world. See, Last night, we had dinner with one of my key guys in Lance. He came in. I've been there almost five years. And he came in uh, as a student. He's 51 years old. Came from a good family. Raised Catholic, didn't know the Lord. Wife had an affair. He started drinking, lost his license, lost his job, just spiraled. Came in one month before me. He's now my number two person. Number two. And someday I really believe that he will become executive director. But he came in not knowing a thing about the living water. And to see the transformation that has taken place. It's an amazing thing to do, but he was one of those people that, over a course of time, to sit down and share about the living water. Stephen Barney, one of my guys that heads the construction. You know, he, he was lived homeless and lived in the mountains by himself for years. Prospecting gold wanted to be by himself, no confidence whatsoever. He came in not too long after I came to the ranch. He's, he has a, my construction crews, a staff member, he's studying for his contractor's license right now. But it came about because when he came to town in Yuba City to the church where my brother-in-law, Gary, Sharon's, sis, Sharon's brother, was teaching at the Bible school, When he came and he just sat down, you can imagine what he probably looked like. And someone told him about Jesus. And that living water came in him, and you see it today in the outreach ministries that it have. Anthony Jones, uh, early 30s now, in there he's one of my staff members also on the construction side of things came in no teeth in the front looked like he'd been drugged from under a rug wouldn't look you in the eye when he talked to you he had no confidence at all but the Lord changed him a a, a dentist gave him teeth he got a driver's license, restored relationship with his family because of the living water that has, has, has gone through his spirit. And we're just praying because uh, he has applied for school. He's going to a five-year electrician school. Five-year, he's enrolled. It's a five-year deal, and he's going through that right now. He's become a pretty good electrician. You know, and, and to see that. And I could go on and on and list because there's been living water that they drank. But it took someone to sit down with them like Jesus did. I think that that's really really our, our marching orders as, as the body of Christ. My question is to all of us, and to myself first, are we constantly, continually drinking at the well of living water? We have to drink at least 15 and a half cups a day of living water. So let's say we match it one for one, <laughs> how powerful we might be in our testimony to the Lord. Do we share it with others at every opportunity that we have? And sometimes it becomes harder when your sphere of influence is all Christians. You know, it does. It becomes harder. But man, I, I, I don't have my keys with me. But I, I keep on my key ring a little, little flask. And I, just, we wouldn't call it a flask, would you? I think that says something else. But... But I keep olive oil in it, and I can't tell you how many times, how many places where I've taken my keys out of my pocket. And says, "Can I pray for you?" Just want them right there. Because of the opportunity, and maybe it's something we have that opportunity. If we just will always be open to it. Sometimes we keep it to ourselves. We're too timid. We're too unsure of our own relationship, or too fearful. But He's the giver of life. He is the giver of words. He is the one that will be with us, and he says, you know, don't worry when you stand before kings or princes or unsaved people or homeless people or some people in your your family that you're just, you know, afraid to share, because he will give us words, and the spirit of life will come on us. Why? Why? Why is that so important? Because it says in the Scripture in Second Peter that he is patient. He is patient. He is patient. He is patient because he's not willing that any would perish. I want to take this opportunity. You know, I love altar time. I, I do. That's, um, I, I, I believe that sometimes if we just spend a few moments alone with the Lord, at the altar, is good for us all. So I believe that uh, we're going to play something. And uh, either, yeah, I guess the worship team is coming. And I want to take this opportunity. I'm as, as they begin to play, and as I begin to pray, if you just feel like you'd like to just... Just take a a few moments and stand in the presence of the Lord and ask Him to fill you, fill your entire being, fill your spirit with the living water. I was in Zimbabwe at a Bible school, and dirt floor, and no walls, and a tin roof, and Worship was no store-bought instrument, and there was no sound system, and the dogs were running through the church, and the worship was just amazing. I was getting ready to speak, and as I'm standing there, and I just asked the Lord to fill every cell of my being with that, that I would never forget it. So let's come to the altar, and let's ask him to just drench us. And then when we leave, we can get drenched when we go out the door. Come. Father, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity, the opportunity to know you, the opportunity to serve you, the opportunity to stand here and just worship you. Go ahead. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.